Section six of the World War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The World Story, Volume fifteen The World War. Edited by Horatio W. Dresser. Section six The Real Causes of the War. 1914 by charles w elliott in the early months of the war ex-president elliott of harvard university contributed to the new york times a series of letters on the causes of the war which aroused an extensive controversy in summarizing his part of the controversy dr elliott expressed himself as follows concerning the german desire for world empire the editor each one of the principal combatants in Europe seems to be anxious to prove that it is not responsible for this cruelest, most extensive, and most destructive of all wars. Each government involved has published the correspondence between its chief executive and other chief executives, and between its chancellery or foreign office and the equivalent bodies in the other nations that have gone to war, and has been at pains to give a wide circulation to these documents. To be sure, none of these government publications seems to be absolutely complete. There seems to be in all of them suppressions or omissions, which only the future historian will be able to report, perhaps after many years. They reveal, however, the dilapidated state of the Concert of Europe in July 1914, and the flurry in the European chancelleries which the ultimatum sent by Austria-Hungary to Serbia produced. They also testify to the existence of a new and influential public opinion about war and peace, to which nations that go to war think it desirable to appeal for justification or moral support. These publications have been read with intense interest by impartial observers in all parts of the world, and have in many cases determined the direction of the reader's sympathy and goodwill and yet none of them discloses or deals with the real sources of the unprecedented calamity. They relate chiefly to the question who struck the match, and not to the questions who provided the magazine that exploded, and why did he provide it. Grave responsibility, of course, attaches to the person who gives the order to mobilize a national army or to invade a neighbor's territory. But the real source of the resulting horrors is not in such an order but in the governmental institutions, political philosophy, and long-nurtured passions and purposes of the nation or nations concerned. The prime source of the present immense disaster in Europe is the desire on the part of Germany for world empire, a desire which one European nation after another has made its supreme motive, and which none that has once adopted it has ever completely eradicated. Germany arrived late at this desire, being prevented until 1870 from indulging it, because of her lack of unity, or rather because of being divided since the Thirty Years' War into a large number of separate, more or less independent, states. When this disease, which has attacked one nation after another through all historic times, struck Germany, it exhibited in her case a remarkable malignity, moving her to expansion in Europe by force of arms, and to the seizure of areas for colonization in many parts of the world. Prussia, indeed, had long believed in making her way in Europe by fighting, 
and had repeatedly acted on that belief. Shortly before the achievement of German unity by Bismarck, she had obtained by war in 1864 and 1866 important accessions of territory and leadership in all Germany. With this desire for world empire went the belief that it was only to be obtained by force of arms. Therefore, United Germany has labored with utmost intelligence and energy to prepare the most powerful army in the world, and to equip it for instant action in the most perfect manner which science and eager invasion could contrive. To develop this supreme military machine, universal conscription, an outgrowth of the conception of the citizens' army of France during the Revolution, was necessary, so that every young man in Germany physically competent to bear arms might receive the training of a soldier, whether he wished it or not, and remain at the call of the government for military duty during all his years of competency, even if he were the only son of a widow, or a widower with little children, or the sole support of a family or other dependents. In order to the completeness of this military ideal, the army became the nation, and the nation became the army, to a degree which had never before been realized in either the savage or the civilized world. This army could be summoned and put in play by the chief executive of the German nation with no preliminaries except the consent of the hereditary heads of the several states, which united to form the empire in 1870 to 1871, under the domination of Prussia, the Prussian king, become German emperor, being commander-in-chief of the German army. At the word of the emperor, this army can be summoned, collected, clothed, equipped, and armed, and set in motion toward any frontier in a day. The German army was thus made the largest in proportion to population, the best equipped, and the most mobile in the world. The German general staff studied incessantly and thoroughly plans for campaigns against all the other principal states of Europe, and promptly utilized, secretly, whenever secrecy was possible, all promising inventions in explosives, ordnance, munitions, transportation, and sanitation. At the opening of 1914, the general staff believed that the German army was ready for war on the instant, and that it possessed some significant advantages in fighting, such as better implements and better discipline, over the armies of the neighboring nations. The army could do its part towards the attainment of world empire. It would prove invincible. The intense desire for colonies, and for the spread of German commerce throughout the world, instigated the creation of a great German navy, and started the race with England in navy building. The increase of German wealth, and the rapid development of manufactures and commercial sea power after 1870 to 1871, made it possible for the empire to devote immense sums of money to the quick construction of a powerful navy in which the experience and skill of all other shipbuilding nations would be appropriated and improved on. In thus pushing her colonization and sea power policy, Germany encountered the wide domination of Great Britain on the oceans, and this encounter bred jealousy, suspicion, and distrust on both sides. That Germany should have been belated in the quest for foreign possessions was annoying, but that England and France should have acquired early, ample, and rich territories on other continents, and then should resist or obstruct Germany when she aspired to make up for lost time, was intensely exasperating. 
hence chronic resentments and when the day came probably war in respect to its navy however germany was not ready for war at the opening of nineteen fourteen and therefore she did not mean to get into war with great britain in that year indeed she believed on incorrect information that england could not go to war in the summer of nineteen fourteen neither the government nor the educated class in germany comprehends the peculiar features of party government as it exists in england france and the united states and therefore the german leaders were surprised and grievously disappointed at the sudden popular determination of great britain and ireland to lay aside party strife and take strenuous part in the general european conflict the complete preparation of the german army for sudden war the authority to make war always ready in the hands of the german emperor and the thorough studies of the german staff into the most advantageous plans of campaign against every neighbor conspired to develop a new doctrine of military necessity as the all-sufficient excuse for disregarding and violating the contracts or agreements into which prussia or the new germany had entered with other nations this german view of the worthlessness of international agreements was not a cause of the present war because it was not fully evident to europe although familiar and of long standing in germany but it is a potent reason for the continuance of the war by the allies until germany is defeated because it is plain to all the nations of the world except germany austria-hungary and turkey at the moment that the hopes of mankind for the gradual development of international order and peace rest on the sanctity of contracts between nations and on the development of adequate sanctions in the administration of international law the new doctrine of military necessity affronts all law and is completely and hopelessly barbarous united germany has for forty years been putting into practice at home and abroad the doctrine of force as the source of all personal and national greatness and all worthy human achievements in the support of this doctrine educated germany has developed and accepted the religion of valor and the dogma that might makes right in so doing it has rejected with scorn the christian teachings concerning humility and meekness justice and mercy brotherhood and love the objects of its adoration have become strength courage and ruthless will-power let the weak perish and help them to perish let the gentle meek and humble submit to the harsh and proud let the shiftless and incapable die the world is for the strong and the strongest shall be ruler this is a religion capable of inspiring its followers with zeal and sustained enthusiasm in promoting the national welfare at whatever cost to the individual of life liberty or happiness and also of lending a religious sanction to the extremes of cruelty greed and hate to this ideal state every german owes duty obedience and complete devotion the trouble with this supplement to the religion of valor is that it dwells too much on submission self-sacrifice and discipline and not enough on individual liberty and self-control in liberty accordingly when the valiant men got control of the government and carried the nation into a ferocious war they swept away with them all the devotees of this romantic and spiritual state the present war is the inevitable result of lust of empire autocratic government sudden wealth 
and the religion of valor. What German domination would mean to any that should resist it, the experience of Belgium and North France during the past three months aptly demonstrates. The civilized world can now see where the new German morality, be efficient, be virile, be hard, be bloody, be rulers, would land it. To maintain that the power which has adopted in practice that new morality, and in accordance with its precepts, promised Austria its support against Serbia, and invaded Belgium and France in hot haste, is not the responsible author of the European war, is to throw away memory, reason, and common sense in judging the human agencies in current events. The real cause of the war is this gradually developed barbaric state of the German mind and will. All other causes, such as the assassination of the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary, the sympathy of Russia with the Balkan states, the French desire for the recovery of Alsace-Lorraine, and Great Britain's jealousy of German aggrandizement, are secondary and incidental causes, contributory indeed, but not primary and fundamental. If anyone ask who brought the ruling class in Germany to this barbaric frame of mind, the answer must be Bismarck, Moltke, Treitschke, Nietzsche, Bernhardi, the German emperor, their like, their disciples, and the military caste. End of section 6